This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport with West Ham World's James Jones and Frankie Levin of the Hammers Chat. Guys, four defeats. Yeah. I, I long for a, 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 a Monday night where we can have a positive show and I still haven't had one. <laughs> but we started do, doing this in March, April time and I think we've had one or two positive shows on the back of a win. The good news is it will come. At some point, it will come. Whether that's the Championship or League One or the Premiership, eventually there will be victories. Uh, that is, at at this point, point, I don't really care what league it's in. <laughs> you know, I'll, take, I'll take a positive show. Yeah, but there you are. Uh, let's start with Wolves then. Um, what went wrong? How did you feel after that game? Because we sort of talked about it off air and you felt that it could have gone 1-0 either way. It could have been 0-0. Yeah. Just didn't get the luck. Frankie, where do we start, mate? Oh, um, no, it was a very poor performance overall. Um it didn't really look like we had any desire to even win the game. Um, as a West Ham fan, all you ask for from your players is that they give 110% minimum. Mm-hmm. And if the quality is there, it's an extra added bonus. Um, but they didn't look interested at all. They sort of just turn up for a day's work just to get the money in their pockets. And they just weren't trying at all. And you could see it on the pitch. Wolves wanted it more. And in my opinion, they deserve to win it. Do you think... There's an issue with, I mean, we can we can get more into the manager and the squad and stuff, but there have been other accusations of players being too lazy. Do you think that's the case? Do you think there's an unprofessional attitude? Or, I mean, a lot of them are new players. Is there a scenario where they're not really sure what they're supposed to be doing? I think, I mean, on Saturday, on the face of it, you go, you know, they're just being too lazy. But I suppose there is a case to say that, you know, a lot of these players, I think six of the eight new players that played for us or started on the game at the weekend were... Haven't played in England before, so maybe they're just adjust, still just adjusting yeah. the speed of the game in the country. So there, there might be a case for that, but you know, this is for some of them. This is their fifth game in England. Yeah. You know, they've been training every day. They've had a whole of pre-season to play against teams in England as well. Um, so you, you'd hope you you would hope by now that they would have that they would have settled. But so what what do you put that down to? Because it's not often you get accusations of a team being lazy. You get individual players get targeted as being lazy, but not a, not an entire team where you can just say no one's really bothered. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know what it comes down to. Um, whether it, To me, it looked like we had a good pre-season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went mm-hmm. into the season quite optimistic, and it just hasn't clicked so far. I'm not sure what it is. It's going to have to take time, like we said, but if we keep saying take time after every game, we're going to run out of games to sort of say that. Yeah. And yeah. Then it gets to a point where... Do you look at the manager? You've got to start pointing the finger at him because hmm. any manager that loses four games in a row has to be criticised. Doesn't matter yeah. who you are. So it is difficult to sort of say it's your fault. It's your fault. I think it's just a collective thing mm-hmm. where we were just too lacklustre and yeah. we need to sort it out. 
I, th- I think that there comes a point where in games like look we witnessed on Saturday there comes a point where you, you need one or two players to really step up you know grab the game and th- there was no one really willing to do that I'm out of it's run around a little bit we used to see him do that you know and he was captain as well so he had a little bit more responsibility to, to run about and, and try and win the ball and, and make something happen but the likes of Anderson you know he's playing in that creative role and he's yeah. playing so deep that he may as well be playing in defence Whose responsibility is it in those scenarios to pull the team by the scruff of the neck and get them going because when you've got that many new players it's difficult for one of them to step forward and say right I'm taking charge of this this is what we're going to do yeah I mean that said there, there are there are leaders on the pitch mm-hmm. regardless whether they're new or not Balbuena was captain the Corinthians yeah so I mean and he had a, he had a good game mm. Um, if anything, our defence was our was our probably our strongest strongest yeah. part of the p- part of the pitch. It's yeah. Just saying that we conceded at the end. So you got someone like him at him at the back. He should be riding him up. He's, he's used to being a bit of a leader. Mm-hmm. So you know, on Altovich, he's leading the line from the front. I'm not a big fan of strikers being captains. I think um, they should just be left alone without responsibility to try and get yeah. the goals. But you know, he's been at the club for over a year now, so he should be trying to G the players up as mm-hmm. well, being captain on the day as well. So. I don't know, but Jack Wilshere, he's been in England for yeah. for well, forever. He's always played in the Premier League, so he knows the league. He knows what um what it what it what it's like to play in this in divi- in this division. So you'd expect someone like him to maybe try and grab it. It's a game actually you'd think is perfect for Jack Wilshere and his attributes because he loves that blood and thunder classic English central midfielder type of role, yeah. doesn't he? How what's he doing? I, I think I think part of it is that he's scared he's scared of getting him getting injured. Yeah. Um, I really think there's something in that. Um, Pellegrini's already said that he's got his own individual training regime yeah. just to keep him fit because he can't do whatever all the other players are doing because of his previous injury problems. So mm-hmm. maybe, and, and I think sometimes over the last four games, you have seen it a couple of times where he, you would expect him to go in, you know, yeah. into a challenge and he's kind of just sort of hes- hesitant a little bit. And I think that might hold him back a little bit. But when he's on the ball, like, there should really be no excuse. Nope. So, and we, we've seen glimpses of what he can do, but not consistent enough. And um, that's been our problem: is that we haven't really been consistent so far, and that's led to us losing our first four games. Are you worried that because this game against Wolves was the f- fourth game off in the back of three defeats? Are you worried that maybe players are hiding a bit and looking lazy and appearing lazy because they're worried about the pressure because they don't want to take the blame for another loss? Partly, yes. Um, I think there will be a few players that will do that. But as a whole, they know what it's like to play for West Ham. They should know. They should. They should have been told what it's going to be like playing for mm-hmm. West Ham. They know that the fans aren't going to take that, and they will be publicly criticised if they do do that. So I think they'll try. I think they will sort of pull their weight eventually once they get used to the system and the league. But like I said, you can't keep saying that after however many games. It needs to sort of click now, and we need to start seeing performances put in. Yeah. We've mentioned the number of players. Is eight new starting players too many for a team in this situation? Well, I said a couple of weeks ago that I think it was it was after the Bournemouth game, and I said, you know, we we, we do need to give this time because there's a lot of signings at once. It's it's a new manager, it's a new philosophy, new training schedules. Um, you know, you name it. It's, there's been some big changes both on and off the pitch. So you kind of have to you have to give it a little bit of time. But you think now it's the fifth game of the season if you include the cup game and. We don't really seem to be making much progress. We thought we saw that progress against Arsenal, but then we've kind of reverted back to square one against Wolves. So I don't know. I, th- I mean, I was talking to some mates earlier, and they were like, you know, maybe it's too many, too many new signings at once. But at the same time, other clubs have done that, mm-hmm. and they haven't started with four losses. So I think I mean, Wolves, Wolves signed quite a lot of players. Mm. Some of them, I think they, they signed more yeah. than we did. 
And look at that. I mean, okay, it was their first win of the season, but they're playing, yeah. they're playing some good football. Okay, so after the defeat by Wolves, this is what Manuel Pellegrini said. He said, the fans must also trust again this season. The stadium was empty with 10 minutes to go. We can still score in that time. They need to believe, but if you don't have results, it is more difficult for them. Do you feel like he's pointing the finger at fans or is he is he fairly suggesting that people work a bit harder to back their side? I agree with him. Yeah. I noticed on the 88, uh, 88 89th minute at the weekend and there's people leaving and that was at Neil Nil. Yeah. And it's like, hang on, the game's done. I mean, if we draw this nil nil, then, then that's, that's quite a good point. It's our first point of the season. There's people walking out the ground. Yeah. Um, and that could have been us getting a 93rd minute winner. But there's people just, I don't know what it is with, with our fans. I know I know fans don't like the stadium, but, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to get used to it because we're stuck there now. That, that That's yeah. it. Um, and you've just got to, you've got to be that you've got to get behind the team. You know, I, you know, I've seen people leave early and go, oh, there's no atmosphere. And it's like, well, try and, <laughs> try and create some atmosphere. Yeah. You know, you've here, you've bought your ticket. Yeah. Get behind the team. It's nil nil. It's not as if we were three nil down in the eighty fifth minute. No, that is bizarre. I've so, always been perplexed by people that commit that time and energy and money to go to a football match and leave with minutes left. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird. I can't I can't remember what time is you leave? Did you stay to the end? Yeah, I stayed to the end. Yeah. I was just gonna say, um, I mean, during the games, we don't help ourselves by creating a negative atmosphere at all. The amount of times where we'll get the ball, we'll pass it sideways or backwards once, and the whole crowd will go, oh, yeah, like, yeah. And then they'll try and take someone on, lose it, and it's the same response. So it's sort of like, what do the players do then? If they try, they're going to get jeered or whatever, and then if they pass it sideways and backwards and play it safe and try and keep the ball, it's the same result. So I think the fans have to do a bit more to try and create a positive atmosphere at that stadium. Mm. I know it's difficult. I know people don't like going. I know the results haven't been good. It's, it's, mm. it's difficult to create that, but that's up to us as fans. I'm pretty sure that the players would want to play under a, under like a good atmosphere yeah. rather than a bad one. So it is our responsibility to sort of do that, but then it works both ways. The players have to show us some effort and commitment on the pitch. That seems reasonable. Do you think Pellegrini knows his strongest eleven? Because there's been three different back fours in the four games now. No. No, it's clear that he doesn't. <clears throat> I think, um, and that for me, that's a, a really big worry. The you don't fact think that maybe that's fair? Because he's only, he's only come in this season, he's bought a lot of new players. Do you think he deserves that time to work out who plays where well? That, I think, for me, that's what pre-season's for. Yeah. Mm. Okay, you could forgive it for maybe the first two league games of the season, but mm-hmm. we're now four games in, and he's, he's yeah. used four different back fours. I think I, I don't think he started with the same central midfield pairing either. That's changed every time. Yeah. So that that's what worries me a lot is the fact that he's going into every game tinkering still. And yeah. I mean, how do you get any consistency out of a team when? The whole team's different every week. So, do the two of you agree on how you see West Ham's best starting lineup? Um, I don't know. I don't think we've really gone <laughs> through with it. <laughs> Go on, um, do it now. Well, I mean, I mean, for me, Fabianski and goal. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I love Adrian, but Fabianski, I think, is a better goalkeeper, a better shot stopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree um, with that. a little bit more experienced. I think Balbuena and Diop have proven to me over the last two games that yep. they work really well together at the back. On the right, it's got to be Fredericks, and on the left, I like Cresswell, but I think if we're going to play an attacking style of football, then Mass. Suaku kind of gives you that yeah, a little bit more threat down the left. Frankie, did you give all four of those? Because I saw you. Uh, not so I don't sure know about right Fredericks back. because yeah. against Arsenal he was very good, but then against Wolves he was very poor. I thought he was very poor. I got the feeling that against Wolves, I, I don't know whether because it was weird because mm-hmm. he was known in the Championship for Fulham last year of like really bombing down that yeah down that flank and beating players, getting to the byline, but using his pace. And every time he got the ball at the weekend, it was as if he was told, "Do not run with the ball," because mm. he just didn't look like look comfortable and he didn't look like he wanted to run with it. He looked very angry on the ball whenever he got it didn't he just yeah no confidence at all we yeah saw that at Arsenal he was very confident no pressure on him but as soon as a bit of pressure from the fans at the stadium 
Yeah, it was, it was his home. It was his home debut as well. Wasn't so it? Yeah. Who, who would you go for ahead of him? Well, it was only Zabaleta, mm-hmm. but I think Zabaleta. What he was one of our best players last season. Yeah, it's just whether he can do it week in week out. Do you think that those are the basis. kind of players you want in in this scenario where games are being lost in the last minutes? That kind of experience, even the likes of Javier Hernandez, is sat on the bench. Yeah, players who know how to get across the finish line in the Premier League. Yeah, hundred percent. Some of Zabaleta's quality and experience would mm-hmm. definitely help that back four it's just whether he can keep up with the pace of the Premier League yeah. for, a con- for a whole season mm-hmm. that's why Fredericks was brought in because we needed yeah. someone fresh someone fast someone new and we need to balance it out well and sort of look who we're playing against and say right who's going to be fit for this game who's going to be the best choice for this game but again that makes Pellegrini Pellegrini's job even harder because he won't know what his best 11 is it is difficult to sort mm. of call it Frankie mm. tell us your midfield uh, and then James we'll get your reaction I'd have Wilshire probably alongside Declan Rice as my pair of two okay <laughs> <laughs> go on James uh, I mean Declan Rice had a great season last year but as a centre half I know we saw him against Liverpool and I know it was Liverpool on the opening day of the season and mm-hmm. he was playing a more deeper holding role wasn't he mm-hmm. but I'm just and he played well in that position against Wimbledon I thought he played very, he was very fantastic good. against Wimbledon he was spraying the ball about I don't know I just don't know whether I'd prefer him at centre half I just don't know whether yeah. I mean he's had a season there he knows that position well again if you, if you start playing him regularly at centre midfield that's another bit it's another bit of change we've got to deal with yeah yeah. but I mean I, I, after that Wimbledon performance I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it but I think I I'm don't know it's just because of that Wolves game I saw no heart or commitment from the majority of that team I think Declan Rice will give you 150% every week mm. he won't, he'll know what it's like to play for West Ham he's a West Ham fan he knows what it's about and with Mark Noble on the back end of his career Declan Rice could be a perfect replacement for him yeah no I don't disagree with that at all don't okay. disagree with that uh, you're the rest of your midfield so that's your central midfield pairing I guess mm. I'd have Anderson in the middle Yarmolenko right <sighs> scrap that I'd have Anderson on the left Yarmolenko <laughs> right uh, and then have Perez off of Arnautovic or even Perez on the wing and uh, Anderson in the middle that'll probably be my strongest 11 yeah I think An- I think Anderson works better behind the striker yeah. as a, mm-hmm. in a number 10 role we saw that against Arsenal we played, yeah, he exactly, played in that role yeah. and he was superb best player on the pitch yeah uh, so if we can do that but then where was Perez at the weekend that's what I'm saying like where was he? Even he, wasn't, he wasn't even on the bench and we've had this all season so far like all, we've signed all these players and some of them aren't even making the bench each week it's <laughs> like but then, then he keeps changing it so I, I don't disagree with that I think that attack the thing is that attack if you think about it Yarmolenko mm. uh, Anderson Perez and then Arnautovic or Hernandez up mm. front that's a really strong attack yeah exactly but s- somehow we've got to try and get that to work mm. And that is clearly one of Pellegrini's biggest problems at the moment. He can't, yeah. just can't get it to work. So, coming at this, so I'm a Manchester United fan. And as a result, you can judge me, that's fine. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm, you know, we're five years on now. But I saw incredible things from Javier Hernandez. And I wonder, I'm, you know, I've not followed his career hugely. In, in, you know, he was at Bayern Leverkusen and Real Madrid, but I wasn't necessarily mm. watching week in, week out. Does he still have enough to do a job? Because he, he seems like a man who just lives on goals. And I would have thought in these scenarios... He's a natural goal scorer, and in in this situation, isn't what you want goals, or is he a bit old and it's maybe lost it a bit? He plays well if he's playing up front with someone. Yeah, up front on his own. Yeah, he's, he's never going to be. He, a, he he's spends all time off, all the time offside. Yeah. and uh, actually, he's just not that sort of player to lead the line. No, you know, he he lives off tappings, and yeah. you know, he's a, he's a real he's a classic fox in a box. Yeah, so you got to find a way of utilizing him. Mm-hmm. in that way but that's not Pellegrini's style to play to up front he's tried it yeah. once against Bournemouth this season and mm. they look good 
but then we lost that game so yeah it's pretty tough. I think about 20 years ago he'd have been worth an absolute fortune because oh, everybody yeah. played two striker systems yeah and he would mm, people oh, would have thrived but yeah, yeah. N- not now he can't no. do anything on, him, on no. his own never do anything other than just wait on the last man's shoulder isn't he exactly yeah so the notes written on my sheet in front of me regarding of just a few of the players I'll tell you what's been written down you can give me your reaction Carlos Sanchez too safe too negative I, I, I found that he didn't apart from giving the ball away that led to the winner mm. I didn't he didn't do anything wrong leading up to that I felt I just felt that every time he got the ball it was it, it was too safe it was too negative for the system we're trying to play Yeah, he got the ball and it'd always be sideways it'd always be backwards mm. he didn't really I, I don't recall him making a forward pass you had Wilshire in front of him mm-hmm. asking for the ball and he'd, he'd, he'd play it out wide and most of his passes were a little bit behind the player so obviously that slows the game down a yeah. little bit and um, we, we kind of knew what we were getting with him and with him anyway mm-hmm. it was a strange signing we did question the the reason for bringing him in but I just felt that okay it, it'll do a job over the course of the season I've got no doubt about that but mm. it's just is he is he going to do the job that we need him to do in that system and I just yeah. don't think he's the right player for it alright uh, Antonio not interested clearly he was very poor. He didn't. He didn't even look interested at all. Um, no. Whenever he got the ball, he was very clumsy on it. Uh, he wasn't tracking back. He was walking back whenever he lost the ball. Just no intention to sort of go and win the game or take take the game by by the scruff of its neck. Sometimes you need players to step up, and he just didn't at all. He sort of shied away from the occasion big time for me. Yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know. Don't know what's happened with. Antonio because he started his West Ham career really really well yeah it's, it seems strange and he was the one scoring all the goals when we first moved into the stadium and he scored a lot of goals that, that year and then ever since then I think he got a couple of injuries and that really held him back but then ever since then it's just it just doesn't seem it's not as if he's he's working hard it's not happening for him effort wise doesn't look there as uh, Frankie said didn't really track back yeah, never really looked in control of the ball when he did get it. I mean, Antonio never really looks in control of the ball, but at the same time, like it's just it's got really bad for him. And I was surprised he started. I thought Yarmolenko should have started, and I think that performance should mean that Yarmolenko starts ahead of him now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Felipe Anderson too inconsistent yeah um, we saw against Arsenal how well he played when he operated in the middle of the park but I thought now he had a bit of confidence from that game he'd take it into the next game but he just looked like he did against Bournemouth played out on the left most at a time and Cresswell was higher up than he was for the majority of the game and whenever he did get the ball it was just soft passes or passes that were easily intercepted there was no real threat from him I, when he got the ball I didn't think oh something could happen here mm. I think he had one effort on goal in the first half the keeper saved it was a good save yeah, it, I, it, it baffles me that we've gone from playing so well against Arsenal, mm-hmm. using him as like the main number ten and the main creative outlet, yeah. and then to completely changing that at home to Wolves. When if anything, Wolves' weakness is their defence. Yeah, so we should have we should have yeah. looked at that and gone right. Okay, let's let's get our creative players on the pitch. Let's get our creative players working in the positions that they play they play best in. A week after they've played their best game for the club <laughs> so far. And he just didn't do that. Back out on the left, he just didn't get into the game. He didn't, uh, like we said earlier, he didn't grab the game. Of the of the new signings, who's impressed you most? Has to be Fabianski, Balbuena, and Diop. But they're my main three. Yeah, yeah. I think I think for me, Balbuena's been the most impressive. Yeah. And he only cost us what four and a half, five million quid, um, which is another sign that you know you don't need to spend big. Yeah. To to get big uh, good players. West West Ham have made a habit of that. We always it always seem maybe the night of it's aside, but we always seem to whenever yeah. we spend big on a player, it never really works out. Yeah. But we go cheap and it, it works. Diop, I think again, he, he probably took a, 
a couple of games to. He looks like he's settling he's in. He's settling, but he's got a nice goal against Wimbledon. Yeah, and I think those two are going to be our future partnership. So that does that give you hope? Does that give you a bit of optimism to think? Well, that's I mean that's an important pairing anyway. Gives me hope that we might not concede as many goals as we have been. <laughs> the fact it took until the ninety third minute for Wolves to score is is a bonus given that we could, yep. we shipped nine before then in, mm-hmm. in the league. Um, we just got to get it right at the other end of the pitch now, and I think once that clicks, then we might start seeing a little bit of progress. What do you think makes that click? Consistency. Yeah. With the lineup um, and with the positions in which he ch- he tells players to play in, mm-hmm. as I just said. Anderson is not being played in a consistent role which yep. probably has led to his inconsistency inconsistent performances mm. I think you need to get Yarmolenko on the pitch from the start mm-hmm. I think if, if you've got a player like Antonio on the pitch you've already got a weak link there so if you start playing a consistent 11 maybe one or two changes is acceptable yep. then you start seeing performances on the reverse who of the new signings has been the most disappointing probably you could argue Anderson because of the price tag he came in at and yep. the expectation mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think the, the new signings have done too bad to be honest I think it's the current players that are probably letting us down the likes of Antonio mm. um, I thought Cresswell was quite poor at the weekend but yeah probably Anderson just because of the expectation of that he had arriving at the club mm-hmm. and the price tag he came in for like I said but th- then again he's shown glimpses of what he can do so it's going to be it is early days, but for me, the weakest one will probably be Carlos Sanchez. Yeah, in terms of ability, I think so. Mm-hmm. As I said before, I think he'll he'll do a job and he'll 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 do it without any real fuss. Mm. But it just won't be an exciting job. It will just be like safe yeah. and yeah. We did hear rumours that you know when we signed Anderson that he he, he was inconsistent over in Italy as well. So mm-hmm. maybe that's just him. Yeah. It could just be him. But, you know, you'd, you'd like to think that the likes of him, Lucas Perez, who we haven't really seen much of, Yarmolenko, when, when they're all in the team, all playing in consistent positions, that's when we'll start seeing the best of them. Yeah. Mm. So, with West Ham, who is to blame? Some fans blame the stadium, others point to the manager, some the players, some are arguing that it's people eating popcorn. Where do you stand on this, boys? <laughs> popcorn? It's the popcorn, isn't it? Uh, it definitely isn't the popcorn. I've um, heard people say it's the popcorn. And it, I mean, on, on that point, I can't stand <laughs> it. I can't stand it when people go, oh, what's that guy eating popcorn over there for? It's been all over Twitter today. Yeah, poor bloke, Poor bloke sitting there eating popcorn and someone's taking a picture of him. It's all over Twitter. And you've got grown men, grown men, like, yeah. just like venting their anger at the fact that there's popcorn at a football What's stadium. Like, popcorn is really nice. It's really nice. I love popcorn. I, and as I said to you off air, like, I haven't, I don't think I've actually seen a popcorn stand at the stadium. Yeah, it's weird, in though, isn't two, it? Two and a bit years you've been there. Yeah. So I don't know where these guys are getting it from. I'd like to know because I, yeah. I might pick, pick some up <laughs> the next game. I just, I don't get all that. You know, you've got a, you've got a cut. I mean, if you think popcorn's the, the biggest problem at West Ham, then you've really got no idea. I think it's weird that anybody would see an issue with any kind of snack or food beverage at any kind of event ever it's really bizarre it's weird. Go, we've lost again people are in popcorn no no wonder yeah. i guess it's a bigger issue of the atmosphere is bad because or they claim the atmosphere is poor because fans are eating popcorn rather than shouting but i mean that's happening all around What's the world the difference between eating popcorn and not shouting or eating a pie and not shouting yeah nothing manly if you eat a pie well i, th- I think that's probably that's what it comes down that's to literally isn't it it's, like, it's not masculine enough yeah popcorn no, is a passive you. snack exactly yeah I, I just don't get it i don't get it no, and it's really <laughs> You know, those that are moaning about it have really got to grow up, I think. Yeah. So, Pellegrini, how much blame does he take? Four losses in four. Uh, Frank the Bird did the same last season. Tony Cascarino in his Times column today saying that, brilliantly going, oh, I should have said at the start of the season they were going to go down. I didn't, but I knew I should have. I I, I laughed out loud at that when I read that. Yeah, that was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, But is he under pressure? 
I think he is under pressure. Mm-hmm. As Frankie said earlier, you know, any manager that loses four games four games in a row is going to be questioned. You're going to be under pressure. It's just, you know, it's it's whether the club's willing and the fans are willing to just sit there and, and be patient with it because, as I've said before, there's been a lot of change mm. in, in a short space of time and I suppose you kind of got to go, well, okay, maybe maybe it does need a bit more time to click, but at yeah. the same time, by now, you would have expected at least a couple of points on the board at the very least. Is, is he just struggling just to get all these new players to gel. It's as simple as that. He's got an awful lot of new staff and he's got to very quickly work out who plays where, who gets on with who, who's got language barriers, where there are actual issues, who's actually fit enough to play. Because uh, that in itself is it, that's a myriad of issues. There's also people's egos taken into con- account and the players that are being replaced from last season who want to keep playing. Is he just mm. not quite had enough time to, to simmer think, that down? Um, I think we all knew at the beginning that it was going to take time and we needed to give Pellegrini time if this mm-hmm. was going to work. Obviously, four defeats in a row is not ideal. But Pellegrini's come in. He's on, what, 10 million a year. He's managed in the Premier League before. He's been successful before. He should know how to get success out of his players by yep. now at this stage of his managerial career. Which is why, partly, it does worry me that the performances haven't really picked up yet and we haven't even got a point on the board. But then again, I say I just sort of think to myself, he's he his experienced manager, he'll get out of this. he he just got to give him time and it will come good. Seems fair. What about the players? Do we point the finger at players at this point? Well, as we've already said, there, there are some yeah. players that haven't been pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. Antonio being one of them. Um, he's not the only one. But, like, Chris Bell hasn't been great when mm-hmm. he's played. Frederick's okay. He's, a new, he's one of the new signings, but on, at the weekend he wasn't. He wasn't great. Yeah, and I think it comes down to I don't know, like if the ones that perhaps are trying individual errors. I mean Sanchez. Yeah. I mean mm. he, he, he was playing okay at the weekend, and then individual error cost of the game. So that probably comes down to just concentration. Yeah. Also, but, to some extent, luck. Because like Arnautovic's shot where he cut the ball back and Rupert came out and sort of took it in the face. Yeah. If he if if that goes slightly to the left, slightly to the right, that probably the flex goes in. It's a goal, yeah. Yeah, you get, and you get no one has any control over that really. Well, Arnautovic does. Yep. I, th- I think Arnautovic should have finished that. Yeah. I really do. I really think he should have finished it. Mm-hmm. But you know, you are right. There there is an element of luck to it. Mm-hmm. There has there has to be an element of luck to it because. That's what football is most of the time, you know. You've got all these tactics and you get with the players, you know, you put yeah. them all together, but you do, a lot of the time, you do rely on a bit of luck. So, all right. we're just not having that. She's a big one. Let's talk about the stadium. How important is the stadium in regard to the issues at West Ham? Because the the problems at West Ham don't seem like they're brand new problems. There were issues last year. There were, the fans were kicking off with uh, Golden Sullivan and Karen Brady, and then prior to that, there were you know people were upset about leaving the Berlin ground. So is this is this all one huge problem? And somewhere we can like follow the string back to a pin and say this is where this all started, and we're still living in this issue. Or is this a totally singular issue this season? New manager, new players, and it doesn't transcend back. I don't I don't know. It's sort of like we're running out of things to blame now um, yeah. it, at first it was the owners not spending money they've come and spent 100 million it's still yeah. not picked up um, the stadium move was then sort of blamed we're in the third season now that should not really be an issue for the players so it's difficult to pinpoint it down to some one thing because whenever we think we've made a bit of progress it's always two steps back we're yeah. never seeing sort of steady progress at the club and it's difficult to pinpoint who who that actually who that responsibility lies with I don't know about you James but I find that difficult to pinpoint. I do, as you said. You know, it was after the Bournemouth game. Yeah, fans visibly were just like, "Who do we? 
who are we angry at here? Yeah. Like, we don't really know who to who to blame anymore. For me, the stadium, that cannot be an excuse anymore. We've had two, we're in our third season there. The first season, yeah, okay, you, you can mm-hmm. you can see that as an excuse. It takes yeah. a little bit of time to move into a new stadium. Beginning of the second season, okay, slightly, but then towards the end of last season, we were winning games there. Yeah. Easily beat Southampton last season, 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, at home but we've beaten Tottenham at home we've beaten Chelsea at home you know we've, we've won football games at that stadium yeah. it's not as if we've never won there so I don't buy this uh, you know it's the stadium oh, we still can't get used to playing at the stadium we can because we have done and we have won games there in regards to the stadium if it's not perhaps the physicality you know the actual you know, not the seats the distance of the ground is there an issue in terms of we saw Pellegrini talking about it but the atmosphere if fans are frustrated if they are leaving early does that seep onto the pitch and the players pick it up and then they start to think well why should I bother is that possible 100% it does play a factor but they're professional footballers mm-hmm. they shouldn't really let that affect them Yeah, but they are human beings it is going to affect you if 50,000 people are sort of booing when you yeah. pass the ball backwards it's going to play on your mind Us, as I said before us as fans need to do much more at that stadium to make it a positive atmosphere but then again, the players aren't giving us anything to shout about. So yeah. it's got to work both ways. I said after after everything happened that Burnley game mm-hmm. um, last year with all the protests and stuff, I said yeah. that we lost that game 3-0. And I said afterwards, and I got a lot of stick for it from fans, that the fans actually contributed to that final result. Because they were running on the pitch and protesting at 1-0. When you, we could still get back in the game at 1-0. Yeah. So I think on the back of that, I think the fans do have to take a little bit of responsibility at that stadium. Yeah. You know, okay, I, I get the, the hard done by a feeling that, you know, they've pulled us away from, from the bowling ground. Yeah. We're in a new home now. We can't move back. It's, you know, but that's been, that was two years ago. Yeah. We need to now go, okay, we're stuck here. Whether we like it or not. And we've got to start getting behind the team. Because when we do make, when we, when the fans are up for it at that stadium, we can make one hell of an atmosphere at that new stadium. Yeah. And we've seen it so many times that when we beat Chelsea in the cup, the atmosphere that night was mm. incredible. When we drew with Leicester, won all, uh, was it last season under Moyes? Yeah. The atmosphere was brilliant. So they can do it. Mm. Just, it's just as if like, the fans just pick and choose when they want to turn up. And that's, you know, it's not all fans, but it, 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 it's clearly a, a problem at the moment where they just think, well, Oh, oh, it's nil nil after seventy minutes. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. this is ridiculous. You know, it's got it's got to be a bit of you know, it works two ways almost. You know, you've got to, if you can't walk out the stadium at nil nil and go there's no atmosphere, having not sung any of the songs, no. you've got to get involved. Do you think the move to the London Stadium represents a cultural shift that West Ham, as a football club and as a fan base, were able to not entirely accept because they still had the bowling ground and there were a lot of fans that wanted that Julian Dick style of football being played and with people like Mark Noble, they kind of still had a taste of it, mm. but now two years on in the London Stadium that's why people are getting angry about people eating popcorn do you think that's is that happening or am I making that up yeah but it's happened now Um, we needed to move if we wanted to progress as a football club Mm -hmm. that was from a business point of view for the owners that was the right move and I have no problem with them sort of wanting to progress as football club overall and at the time when we we were told we were going to be moving the stadium I was I was quite quite for it because I thought if we just give this a bit of time, we will progress as a football club and we will start to compete and sort of challenge up the top top tier of the table. So I get that people have a real strong connection to Upton Park and they never wanted to leave that. But sometimes you just have to move on. And 
I think now we're in the third year of this new stadium. We we just can't keep looking back, otherwise we're just going to keep circling round. Yeah, and it's just going to be continu- continuously negative. Oh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think um, it's it's like you know if you if you split up with a partner and after two years you should be you should have got over them by now. Mm. We'll always pine for Upton Park. We'll always love it. We'll always prefer it to London Stadium. But at the end of the day, it's gone now. Yeah. It's gone. We've got to start moving forward. We've got to start looking forward because we, we keep saying that the club's got club's got to show ambition. Yeah, you know we're demanding the club to look forward and, and move forward. The fans have got to be there with the club as well. Yeah, and at the moment, I don't think I don't think a lot of fans are really willing to get on board with what the club are trying to do because they're they're too busy looking into the past. And I get I get it. I mean, I'm I'm I wish we could go back to Upton Park. Yeah, I, I really wish we could, but we can't. So you've got to get on board with what the club are trying to do, and the club's trying to take the club, take us forward. And the only way we do that is if the fans get on board as well. And I think there's a lot of fans out there that are unwilling to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why you get like as you sort of suggested that some atmosphere is brilliant when people really fancy it? So like against Chelsea, it's a big derby. People are going to be excited, but maybe. Uh, home to Wolves people don't really aren't that worried it's, it's, I mean it's not as easy to get excited about that is it it isn't I, I, I get that to an extent but at the same time if that's if that's how you feel going into the game mm-hmm. then don't moan when we lose no that's fair don't moan when we've mm-hmm. lost 1-0 in the 93rd minute because yeah. you haven't gone there going I'm up for this don't care about I'm up for this I'm going yeah. to cheer the team on you can't pick and choose when you want to support the club no. to, you know strongly or, or you know or, or I'm just going to turn up today what was the atmosphere like uh, on Saturday it was alright mm, it was, it was like, <laughs> I mean, there were spells where there, there we, were moments. Yeah, I mean, there was one. There was one where a song started on one side of the stadium. It came, yeah, it came, came all the way around, around yeah, and nice. you know, it was like hey, we can get this going. And we're we're on the retractable. Where I sit, we're on the retractable seating by the corner flag. Yeah, and you know, if you if you bang your feet, that can make a bit of a noise. Mm-hmm. And the first time we did that a couple of years ago, I was like, hang on, we can make an yeah. atmosphere. Because yeah. <laughs> you had people jumping up and down. Yeah, it like it, it like creates this really loud noise. Mm. But uh, people only seem to do that when we're winning. Mm. It's just like well. You know, nil nil at ninety third minute, and people yeah. are just like, oh, I can't bother anymore. <sighs> not ideal, that is it. It's but I suppose you, everybody has that though. Everybody gets that everywhere. And atmospheres, I suppose, are harder to create because more and more there's more football tourism mm. in a sense that, that more people want to go for one-off games or just experience the Premier League. And that's why the Premier League is so popular and so successful. And I think a lot of people begrudge that, but it's difficult to because people should be entitled to turn up and just go and watch a football match. That's what a big that's what a big stadium does. Is it yeah. attracts and because tickets are cheap as well. Yeah. So it attracts the tourists, and I haven't got a problem with that because you know it brings money into the football club. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely behind that. I, you know, yeah. I haven't got a problem with, you know, if a lot of tourists want to just fly in for the weekend and watch the football game and then go yeah. home again, um, for the, like, they've never been at West Ham before, then, you know, it's extra money for the football club. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If they want to eat popcorn as well, go for it. Yeah. You know? But it's it's the hardcores and the diehard fans that, you know, if you're going to turn up, don't moan there's no atmosphere if you're not willing to get involved. No. Where do West Ham go from here? Because there are some really difficult fixtures to come. How does Pellegrini put this right? I was saying just off air that the international break has actually come at a really good time for us. Mm. Um, we've got two weeks now to mm-hmm. sit down, go yeah. back to the training ground and sort out what sort of get Pellegrini to, Pellegrini to sort out what is going wrong and sort of underline the issues and fix it. But yeah, like we said, there we've got Everton away next, and then Chelsea at home, and United at home. They're three fixtures that you look at, and you just you don't go into it with much optimism with how things are going at the moment. So I don't know where I don't know where we go from here. If you're if you're Pellegrini, you've got two weeks. How are you going to spend it? What are you going to do? You've, you've got to spend it working out what your best eleven is for a start. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've already said, you know. You, 
if he can, if he can work work that out and actually get a consistent starting eleven going, then okay, the result might not come again in those three games. But if you stick that starting eleven, yeah, then when the easier fixtures do come along, I, oh, there's no really easy fixtures in the Premier League anymore. No. But you know, when the the more favourable fixtures turn up, then Cardiff, ca- Cardiff would be nice. One everybody wants, um, <laughs> and, and Man United at this rate as well. But but yes, yeah, I, I I think. I think that's. I'd like to think that's going to be his priority. Mm-hmm. Other than that, because I think if if we can if we can pl- get them playing the way we did against Arsenal, because mm-hmm. I said after Arsenal go, if we play like that yeah. against Wolves, we'll beat them. Mm-hmm. And against any team outside the top six, we, we've got a chance of beating anyone outside the way we played. Yeah, it's like yeah, okay, I'm confident now. And then they don't play like that again the next game no. it's really strange so he's got to work that one out would you start claiming a few little niggles and keep a few guys back from international duty to keep them on the training pitch and go through some things yeah who, who would you look at to do that with all of them <laughs> <laughs> all of them we, we've got a really bad injury record at the club as well the last few years have been terrible so yeah. I do fear that there'll be a couple of injuries mm-hmm. but then at the same time if there is a couple of injuries then that gives a chance for some other players to come through the ones yeah. that haven't had much game time the likes of mm-hmm. Lucas Perez yeah. who who has looked okay when he's played mm-hmm. um, the likes of Fredericks um, and players like that but from from what I gather we've not had many international call-ups have we so mm. we should be alright on that front he should work on getting the players to buy into his philosophy and sort of work on how we're actually going to approach games because to me on Saturday it looked like we didn't have a clue what we were doing in that final third as soon as we got the ball in the final third we just looked hesitant on the ball and we didn't really know how to break Wolves down but as soon as Wolves got the ball they looked like they had so much time on the ball they were, and their fullbacks were overlapping so many times and they got so much space in the final third. It, was, it just really baffled me as to how we were letting that happen. Mm. So Pellegrini needs to look at that. He needs to look at that Wolves game and tell them, right, you need to, you need to be much more solid defensively if we're going to be a successful team. And then you sort of defend from the attack. We, we just let teams sort of stroll through from the defence into the midfield. And then before we, five seconds later, they're in our final third. So yeah. we create pressure for ourselves. And I think Pellegrini needs to look at that 100%. So four games into the Premier League four defeats two points would take them out of the relegation zone though so are West Ham in a relegation battle or is that too early to consider I think if, on paper we're mm. in a relegation battle yeah uh, you can't get away from that the league table says that but mm-hmm. I do I, I do believe that it is a little bit too early to to suggest that we're going to be there all season yeah I think a lot of people a lot of neutrals a lot of people will just look at the league table and go oh, they'll you know like Scarino did recently yeah, yeah he know. just looked at him and, oh, well, well I should have said that I, I, I wish I, I wish I never said they'd do well this season because they're <laughs> yeah. bottom of the league. It's like, you know, it's not how it works, is it? People would, people will just look at it and go, "Oh, oh yeah. they, they're going to struggle," but you don't know. Mm. I don't expect Watford to get Champions League football, but they're currently third. Oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd said they'd finish in the top four now. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like it doesn't mean anything, does it? Uh, is the worry though if results continue because there are some difficult fixtures for West Ham coming up that that kind of comment that kind of thought process of oh relegation relegation and then it forces itself into a relegation battle because it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy of a team that is in and around the bottom of the league a little bit there is that fear mm-hmm. that if we you know if we if we go if we get to eight or ninth game and still not a point on the board or yeah. we've only got one or two points then okay you do fear that but if you look at look at Palace last season I know they yeah. sacked uh, De Boer mm-hmm. and they they brought in Hodgson but you know they finished above us yeah and they had they they well they lost their first seven games yeah didn't first score a single seven goal. Goal. yeah mm. quite the record so 
worse than worse than we've done. We've scored two so far. Yeah. So I don't think I think it is too early. Give it mm-hmm. if you look at what Palace did last year. I think they finished eleventh in the end, didn't they, or twelfth? Mm-hmm. So if you look at that, and I, I've said I said on the show in, in pre-season. If we, I'll, I'll take eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that before the beginning of the season. So if we can go and do what Palace did last year, then happy days. Yeah, mm. there's, also, there's a lot of quality in that West Ham side that surely will come out. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's been four games. Um, I don't think there's any reason to panic just yet. But this is sort of the stage when the stats start to come out. I saw something mm. on Twitter um, last time we lost four in a row was under Avram Grant, and we went down. So people will start start to sort of clock onto that and sort of bring that out into the public and it sort of plays on your mind a bit. Yeah. But I don't think we have any reason to worry yet. It's been four games. Um, like Look at West Brom last season. They started well and they didn't pick yeah. up a win for a long period of time. So football's a funny game. It can change in an instant. Mm. I think we just need to be patient with it, to be honest. At what point would you say things are okay, we haven't got to worry? Like, if they picked up six points in the next, what, four games? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i at a stage now where, effectively, we've only dropped six points so far. Yeah. Because we weren't expected to get results at Liverpool or Arsenal at the beginning of the season. So it's just the two home games that you really look at in Gaia Curry drop points there. So mm-hmm. we're really only six points down from where, maybe four or six points from where we thought we'd be. Mm. So, a couple more wins... Unlikely wins. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we got a, got a, a result out of Chelsea or, or, or Man mm. United, and then suddenly it's like, oh, hang on, what are we moaning about? Yeah, you go into October, November, and you're sitting there about twelfth, thirteenth. Yeah, you're only five or six points away from the top eight, maybe, because mm-hmm. it's going to be tight this year. Um, yep. And then you look back and go, oh, well, actually, no, we're going to be all right this season. So, which of the clubs, when you look at the league at the moment, do you sort of compare yourself to and think, well, as long as we can get above them? Then we're doing okay. The, the nineteen above us at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I think we we need to be looking to be aiming to be around where Everton are. Yeah, okay. Because the likes of Everton Burnley are. got European football. Uh, Bournemouth always do better than people expect. Yeah. So yeah, so Everton. I think Everton should be out. I mean, because Everton are, are, are a big club. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of ambition, um, and I think over the years it's us and Everton have been kind of on par in terms mm-hmm. of what we should be achieving in the league yeah. mm-hmm. if anything Everton probably should be have underachieved yeah. but I think if this season particularly with Marco Silva and the players they've got and they're, they're unbeaten so far this season aren't they and I think if we, we, we should be looking to be in and around them this season if we were in and around where Everton are this year then I think we would have had a good season Frankie do you agree with that or is there, is there another club that you would look at and say well if we're better than Southampton we'll be fine um, I think Everton's probably the club that most West Ham fans will sort of compare ourselves in terms of quality mm. right now. Uh, the team we should be competing with. But then again, are we being too naive right now and thinking that it's just we should be as good as Everton right now? It's, it is early days. But then you look at the money we've spent and the players we've brought in. It shouldn't. We should have every right to think that way. But like I said, yeah, I think if we can just sort of finish mid-table this season, pick up a few wins in our next sort of six, seven games, um, I think fans will start to ease off the players and the manager Pellegrini will just be allowed to do his thing without the criticism and the pressure of the media and stuff and I think you just need to give it time I think time is the real issue let's talk about Manuel Pellegrini for a bit shall we he says he won't be changing his tactics despite the defeat do you think that makes sense given that he has continually changed his tactics is that an odd thing to say does that mean he, he will keep changing well he actually said that I think it was after the Bournemouth game, right? And it, that was after he would played like the. I think he played four four two against Bournemouth and like four three two one against Liverpool, I believe. Mm. Um, but what I think what he meant there was that he's not going to change his philosophy. He's like attacking yeah. philosophy, and, sure. Uh, and we, we we've seen that he, he clearly he's not going to do that. Yeah. 
because he, he does line up like that. But I don't know. I just think. I mean, he, he does seem to have had a little bit of success with defence uh, in terms of you know. Okay, it was a different back four again, but we it took to the 93rd minute for Wolves to to score, yep. which is progress for me. But it, it is a worry that perhaps he isn't considering maybe just tightening up a little bit more. But then that's never. He's never done that. He's always been. Don't care what your position do. I'm yep. all attacking. I'm all attacking. He's done that every club he's been at. So. Yep. Do you think there's a possibility that at this point in his career, much like another former Real Madrid manager in Jose Mourinho, people have argued that the game has passed him by and his tactics are now outdated, which is why the success isn't coming so naturally to him. Do you think that could also be true of Pellegrini? I definitely think the leagues uh, are getting much tougher, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're a sort of mid-table club like West Ham. But yeah, I think he he shouldn't be so naive not to change completely because it's not working right now. Yeah. He, def, de- there's definitely things that need to be tweaked in, in, in his tactics and his system. But I don't think his overall philosophy should change. I think he'll always be an attacking manager and I think that's the way we should sort of go forwards. But there's definitely certain aspects of his tactics that he's telling the players to go out there and do that aren't working, that sort of need to be changed. And we can't sort of undermine any um, any opposition that we come up against, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, I think that he spent two years in China, didn't he, after Man City? Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that may have held him back a little bit. Mm. Um, I've never actually watched a game over in China, so I wouldn't know whether, uh, whether I watched it's... extensively the Carlos Tevez versus uh, Oscar little fight that they had. That was ridiculous. <laughs> what? Well, so when, you know, Oscar went to went to China from Chelsea. Yeah. He got an eight-match ban on, like, his third game because he, like, had a big spat with... I think, I'm sure it was Tevez because they were they were playing against each other. Right. And that was... That, that's, the, that's all I saw of it, but it seemed like a shambles. <laughs> Blimey. No, no wonder it... Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, that, if that's the case, then... Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I just think he spent too long out of Europe. Yeah. Right, I mean... I know it was Jesus, a long, years, it's a long time it is, it, I mean it doesn't sound like a long time yeah. but it is in footballing terms Yeah. so maybe that's held him back a little bit maybe he's just getting back to grips with play, mm-hmm. like the Premier League and yeah. uh, let's not forget that every team he's been at even at Malaga and Villarreal the, the calibre of player they had were yeah. just a little bit better Man City obviously uh, he had like Sergio Aguero up front for him and yeah. mm. you know and, and all those players so he's obviously clear, he's clearly not got the same calibre of player at West Ham Spent 100 million quid to try and get as close to that as possible, and I think he, he did a good job. I think the recruitment was was good. Yeah, but I think two years out of the game, um, you know, probably the weakest team he's ever managed. Mm. He's it's probably taken a little bit of time. Yeah, um, I mean, it is. Yeah, it's, it, again, we're just going to keep saying it, but it is going to take time for Pellegrini to get what he wants at West Ham. We can't expect instant instant success at the club because that's not what was going to happen. Mm. Um, but no one expected four defeats. That's what that's what the real issue is here. We, we're yet to get a point out of what the, the six English leagues. Um, so yeah, that is that is the main issue that we haven't picked up a point yet. But I don't think I don't think that the game's passed him by at all. I think yeah, he's been out for two years, but he's an experienced manager. He knows what he's doing. He he should be aware of how to make how to improve this and if he doesn't know how to do that then yeah but I, I personally think that he, he knows what he needs to do with the players but the players aren't yet buying into the, his philosophy and doing what they need to do I agree with that because don't forget West Ham over the last few years have not been playing an attacking style of football mm-hmm. under Big Sam it was you know long ball yeah 
okay, under Slavin Bilic that last year at Upton Park, it was an attacking brand, but then very, very quickly that changed when we moved into the new stadium. There was all that problems with that first season, and before you knew it, he was gone. David Moyes comes in a more conservative style so he's coming in like I said all these new signings all this change it's not just the signings that have changed not just the manager that's changed it's the whole new philosophy of the football club Mm. it's a completely different style that these players got to get used to so speaking of it, Rio Ferdinand had some comments there about this. He said, it's a bit of a contrast to what people were asking for last season. Uh, they, the fans, wanted that West Ham way where we pass the ball and we play expansive and a bit of tippy-tappy here and there. And now they want them to dig in. Well, that's what Moyes had them doing last season and now Moyes isn't there. This manager, Pellegrini, has been given a war chest of money to spend and he's done it. And now we've got to see what he does with it. Do you agree maybe why get rid of Moyes if he was doing what people wanted? Or was that not what people wanted? People know what they want. Well, the fans know what they want. Yeah. Where Moyes is concerned, I wouldn't have been... And I've said this many a time. If, if they'd have decided to give him a bigger contract and keep him, I wouldn't have been like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, yeah. it's no ambition. Because I think what the club needed, or, or, or needs is a little bit of stability. And mm-hmm. I think Moyes would have given us that. Yeah. But at the same time, I was quite happy to see them decide not to keep him. Mm-hmm. And show a bit of ambition and go to so, go to someone like Pellegrini. yeah Pellegrini is a statement of intent, isn't it's it? A, a Premier League winner. Mm. So at the same time, it was like okay, well, I wouldn't have been bothered if Moyes had stayed because I think mm-hmm. he did a good job. But then I was quite happy that they got rid of him and, and brought in a, a manager like Pellegrini. So it, it swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah. Frankie, but, how did you feel about Moyes going? Um, to be honest, I was if Moyes would have stayed at West Ham, I would have been pretty pretty unhappy with it because just the way we were playing under Moyes was just no. It had I had no interest in West Ham when when whenever we were playing under against him, it was just the same negative defensive football, sort of setting up for a draw. And if we nick a win, we nick a win. But then again, he was brought in to do a job to keep West mm-hmm. Ham in the Premier League, and he did that. So you have to give him credit for that. But I think we needed a change we couldn't just stick with David Moyes for another two three years on another contract we needed someone that's gonna rebrand our football club and sort of push on but Pellegrini is a he's a very very good manager and when he was brought in a lot of other fans from other uh, other teams were like wow that's a really good appointment so we can't rule him out after four games. I think that's way too early to rule out mm. a manager of his experience and quality. Okay, we've just touched on David Moyes. If you could go back and look at how another West Ham manager did things in the recent past, Slavin Bilic, Big Sam, who would you want in this situation or would you still stick with Manuel Pellegrini? I'd still stick with Pellegrini. Mm-hmm. As, mm. um, as Frankie said a minute ago, he's a very good manager. So I think it's too soon to really make that final judgment on him after just four games. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I just don't... I don't see, and I said this a couple of weeks ago that you know, okay, if it gets worse and they sack him, or they or they knee joke now and sack him, mm-hmm. then who do you get in? Do you get Dwight David Moyes yeah. back, or do you get Big Sam back because he's still free? And suddenly you've yeah. gone full circle all over again. Yeah, and I mean that's not what we're trying to do. Is so you've kind of got you've got to stick with him just for that fact, really, and just. Yeah. But do you know what? We're trying to do something here. It's not going to happen overnight. Let's stick with it and go from there. I think too many clubs panic. Yeah. And I think we, we cannot fall into that trap. So the next big question is, where do West Ham get their first points in the Premier League from? Because the following fixtures are not necessarily the prettiest. We've talked about Everton already this afternoon, this evening. Um, that's the next game, 16th of September away. It's a four o'clock kickoff on a Sunday. Can West Ham go to Goodison and get a result? I mean, we can, but <laughs> our recent track history there, record there, has been very poor at Goodison Park, hasn't it? Yeah, so. we had that win under Billich that last year at Upton Park where we seemed to just be happy yeah. to beat anyone. That was just a weird season. It was a strange season. Um, but 
I, th- I mean, last year we went there and got battered four 0 didn't we? Mm. Uh, I, I just don't see us. I don't see us going there. And getting. I mean, we we, we could nick a point. Yeah, I mean, they've drawn three so far this season, 1-1. One, one. Their one win is at home to Southampton. They won 2-1, hardly convincing. Mm. Uh, Huddersfield just went there and got a draw. Mm. So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, th- they're in a similar position, aren't they, where they've got a new manager in, um, an ambitious appointment in, in Marco Silva, spent quite a lot of money in the summer as well. Yeah. Um, it seems to have clicked with them a little bit, obviously a lot quicker than it has with us. As I said, we, we seem to have made progress with that Wolves result in terms of the defensive side of it. Yeah. So if we can go there and then defend like that, but then replicate the attacking threat we did at Arsenal away from home, then there's there's always a chance. Yeah. But just it's just whether we will or not. Getting that zero off the back is probably massive at this point. Just, Huge, yeah. just, just one point will do. Following Everton, it's a home game. It's the following Sunday against Chelsea. So that'll be a big London derby. The atmosphere should be excellent. Is that winnable? It's going to be difficult. Yeah. Chelsea it's looked very good this season playing so well far. Playing well under Sarri, aren't they? Yeah. So, but we've beaten Chelsea there before yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. I don't see why we can't do it again. It's going to yeah. be difficult. Yeah. I don't know. It's sort of... I think Everton away, uh, if we go there, click and play like sort of similar way we did to, against Arsenal, I think we will get something from the game. Yeah. But it's just so hard to make a case for us right now with the way we are playing and how things are going. That It's just so unpredictable right now being a West Ham fan yeah. for what's going to happen. So we could well go and beat Chelsea or United at home. Mm-hmm. But you just don't know as a West Ham fan. That's that's always going to be the way as well. Yeah. Sort of supporting them. West Ham have this habit of of beating the likes of Chelsea or Man United on the back of losing to teams that we should be beating. Yeah. Mm. It's it's just it's something that we all, we always tend to do. Um which is why I wouldn't be surprised uh, I tweeted this after the game on Saturday I would not be surprised if we went and beat Chelsea and Man United yeah. coming up. Mm. It would just be so typical of us to do that. Well after Chelsea is a third round game in the League Cup against Macclesfield and then on the Saturday it is a write-off, isn't it? You are at home to Manchester United. There's not a chance, lads. Can't see how you get anything out of if, that. If that, if we're going to win any of those games, then I I, I think, I think be it'd be that one. one. Yeah. It's just I, I just don't see. I think the way Mourinho has been this season, the way he was throughout the summer. Uh, if he's still there, yeah, that's I mean that's a big question. Then I mean I mean it'd be just typical West Ham. They'll sack him just before that game. Yeah. And yeah. Because that's not, not, again that's another thing that normally happens with us. Then Zinedine Zidane comes in and everything changes. Yeah, exactly. All the yeah. Time. Um, but. I mean, if it's still all a little bit rocky up in Manchester by mm-hmm. the time they come down, then I, I do fancy us to get a result in that game. United are a very strange side, and they have been for years. It's the away games, actually, that United seem better. It's, the, it's at Old Trafford that we've, we've looked so beatable. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, also away, hence Brighton. Yeah. Basically, not the best. Anyway, we're not supposed to be talking about Manchester United. Uh, after that, though, Brighton, Hove, Albion, and then Tottenham. So, in those five games, Everton away, Chelsea at home, Manchester United at home, Tottenham at home. And the away game to Brighton. So, there's some big games. Brighton's not an easy game, is it? No. No. They've already shown this season. They've shown against Man United Mm -hmm. um, at at the Amex that, you know, they're going to be strong. And they beat us there last season and beat us at home last season. Um, Tottenham's the one that we couldn't mix something. Yeah, I mean yeah. they just lost to Watford. The atmosphere at Tottenham at home is always electric. Yeah, always electric. And if we by then hopefully we've got a couple of points on the board, and then yeah. if we if we go into that game because Tottenham I mean, they didn't look great against Watford today. They? Mm. they didn't look up for it. And if they can come into our game plan exactly the same way, that'd be very very nice. Yeah. 
Very nice. Are you worried? Because that is a that is a tough set of fixtures. Although I mean, it's the Premier League. There are no easy fixtures. Mm. Those are some of the very big clubs in the league. Are you worried you'll get to this point following the game against Tottenham where you play Leicester, and there will be very few points on the board? And at this point, we're almost ten games into the season. No, I'm not worried because football isn't played on paper. And I know it's cliche, but it's a great saying. I mean, if it was played on paper, we wouldn't be bottom right now with zero points. So football's so unpredictable, you can't really tell what's going to happen. That's a lot of lot of games we're looking at there. Yeah. Um, I think we should just take, as Pellegrini should rightly do, is just take it one game at a time. Yeah. He shouldn't be focusing, like, right, we've got Tottenham, Man United coming up at home. He should be looking at that Everton game, targeting it over the next two weeks and working to, to sort of win that game and put all his sort of just work on that game and then just the other games are irrelevant right now we should be focusing on Everton and I think if we just take it one step at a time uh, results will come you say that <laughs> so, out confidence. Just, uh, I've just clicked on an article that I've just seen uh, yeah. in the Telegraph West Ham manager Manuel Pellegrini flies home to Chile for international break uh, that's not what you want well done. Does it say how long for? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. It doesn't know when he, when he's going to be back. The players are going to be back midway through next week or this week. Sorry. So yeah, our manager's flown back to Chile. It's always nice to hear. Isn't how do you feel about that? I, I'm a little bit. I mean, the the story says that it, it was planned already. Yeah. Yeah. But part of me's like, mate, you should have cancelled that. Unless you've got to go back for something really, really important, then mm, yeah. you know, you've got a job to do here. A really important job. Yeah. And you're getting paid a lot to do it. Yeah, mm. it should should really be here, but what can you do? Frankly, how do you feel about that? You disappointed? I'm quite annoyed at that, to be yeah. honest. But then again, it's an article that could be taken out of proportion. It could be just like a one day visit. No one is like no that. one is flying to Chile for one day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, if that is true, then I'm not not particularly happy with that because he should be working towards that Everton game over the next couple of weeks and putting all his intentions on that game. But we'll see. We'll see if it comes good or not, won't we? Frankly, I've googled it. And it takes 17 hours for the quickest flight to Chile. And that includes a stop. I don't think there's any chance he's gone just for a day. Anyway, we're going to get the opposition view now. Your next game is against Everton. So on the phone, we have David from the Toffee Blues. Uh, David, how are you doing? Good evening, gents. I'm well. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, so what have you made of West Ham's start to the season? And how do you feel about facing them uh, in, uh, what, is it or two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Um, yeah, it's it, it's looked to be very difficult for for you lot, um, to say the least. Um, it 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 almost echoes very much what Everton were twelve months ago. Um, there was a lot of investments, a lot of new players, but it's just not clicking. Um, I, I, I'll be honest; I don't think you're gonna you're gonna struggle over the year. I think things will eventually turn around. But the problem is when you're sitting on no points. Obviously, the manager's new. The panic starts kicking in and you just wonder I know you've got some tough fixtures coming up after Everton um, you know if there's no points on the board will will a knee-jerk reaction um, take place and, and then you're, you're looking for a new manager no points on the board I mean it can it can all turn very sour fast um, so yeah not, not too good for you you lads so far I feel like you should all be friends because you've said Big Sam and David Moyes over recently yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've, well, all, yeah. We've, all, we've all had to suffer through Big Sam. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully it never gets so bad that you're going to go back there. I'm pretty sure you won't make that mistake again. Um, hopefully not. I hope. Hopefully yeah. not. Well, How do you feel listening to that? I mean, it, 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 he's right. It has been difficult. Um, 
and it's you, you can see if if there was a knee jerk knee jerk reaction, it would be after you know if we lose to Everton and a few more games down the line. But it is very similar to Everton's situation last year. Mm. Um, Everton got, had points on the board by this stage. I'm I'm pretty sure, but we just got to, just got to stay positive and and hope that they can turn it around. And and I think David's right. I think I don't think we'll be in this situation all season. Uh, David. How do you feel about how Everton have started? By contrast to West Ham, West Ham have failed to pick up those points, but they've been in winning positions twice. They've lost in the 93rd minute. Mm. Whereas Everton, by contrast, have got that one win and then three draws that, you know, by the by the flutter of a butterfly's wings, could have gone either way. Mm, yeah, well, uh, frustratingly for Everton, we've... Uh, I mean, you have to remember with West Ham as well, they've, they've had two really difficult uh, away games in there. Everton haven't. Uh, we've had... No disrespect to any of the teams we played, but we've had uh, Wolves away, Southampton at home. Uh, we had Huddersfield on the weekend and Bournemouth as well. So we, we've had winnable games on paper. And it, there's been a lot of variables in our season so far. You know, you have a look at the, the first game of the season, Wolves away. Uh, we go down to 10 men after after 40 minutes, a dubious red card. Um but we get ourselves in a winning position and then we end up conceding. But things were still pretty positive after that. Uh, then we then we win against Southampton and uh, yeah, everything's looking rosy. And a, a bit of a turning point seems to be that Bournemouth game. We've gone down to ten men again, um, and then we've we've got ourselves two 0 up and it's gone to ten v ten on the pitch. So you you pretty much think you're there result wise, and we've gone and give away a soft penalty and then something that I'll come on to in a minute and a poor set piece conceded again and it it, it left a real sour taste in in the mouth of uh, of all the Evertonians after that game and it just felt despite the the win at midweek against Rodham that on Saturday there was a little bit of a hangover from that um and yet it's we we we're undefeated on paper but we should have a lot more points on the board David what what are your early thoughts on uh, Marco Silva a lot, of, a lot of people question his loyalty to football teams mm. given after what happened at, at Watford a lot of people yeah. have even said he's a bit of a fraud given, given what happened at Watford and he's mm. not really stayed at a club long, long enough to really sort of um, make a uh, make a real good impression what have, what have your thoughts been on him after f- four or five games? Well uh, although you, you you shouldn't look at anything more than a, a training exercise pre-season we were, we, we were getting beat everywhere whoever we were playing we were losing and there was a little bit of panic setting in as to who, who is this guy you know is he the because the, I've always seen Silver as he could go one of two ways I could see him being a Pochettino type coach or mm. someone like a Roberto Martinez you know one way or the other he's either going to be fantastic or terrible but his philosophy is good and that's that's something we've been craving especially after such a bad year and even under Koeman the year before you know his football wasn't fantastic um, so his philosophy philosophy sorry was exciting and what we're looking for but as you said there's there's a lot of question marks still there certainly the longevity you, you know yourselves it, football's a food chain and you know, we may be bigger than the likes of Watford, but there's plenty of other clubs who are bigger than us currently. And you know, if he does, if he does bring success, how long will he stick around for? Mm. Um, David, uh, what do you think Everton's weaknesses are at the moment, and where do you think West Ham could get some success against you? And what areas do you think we should be looking mm. to exploit? Well, I think uh, glaring at the moment is Silver's brought in uh, zonal marking from set pieces, and it's. 
it's killing us. Um, three of those four games, we've conceded from a set piece, and they've, they've been soft set, set pieces as well. Um, Huddersfield took advantage, Bournemouth did, uh, Wolves did as well. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know who, who made you guys know the team best. I don't know who on West Ham's books could could capitalise on that, but certainly from set pieces, Everton looked vulnerable. They don't look they don't look ready. They don't, they don't seem to know what they're doing from the set pieces. Um, and at the moment, I think that's partly down to why we haven't got as many points on, on the board as we should. Richarlison will be back, won't he? Yeah, no, yeah. he won't actually. He won't. No, that no. So, yeah. Well, that's that, that's one thing I was going to say. For, certainly for for West Ham's chances, he's a he's a he's a big miss for Everton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has been fantastic, and he's got that creative flair that every team needs, and just creating something out of nothing. Certainly, that get that goal on the open day, his second one against Wolves, uh, it was a fantastic goal, and it's something we've missed and. The red card's a big blow because we've got we've got West Ham at home and then we've got to go to Arsenal, um, so we will be missed. But offensively, Everton do look a lot better. We've got one thing that is in our favour for that game against against you lads is um, we, we're going to have a few of the new signings back. So we got Yerry Mina from Barcelona. He looks to be fifth for that game. We'll have. Um, Bernard as well, he was a, a tardy sign and he should be fit as well. So we've got players to come in, but certainly the Charleston's a big miss. I was gonna say, I mean, has his absence like been like really shown? I mean have you I know you said you he's been a big miss, but have you actually noticed it in the performance or has it just been oh, it's just one less attacking threat? Well, we, we we've only had the uh, discount the League Cup game because obviously we were playing lower league opposition. But certainly against Huddersfield in the second half, we we were missing that creative spark. I have to say, I think Theo Walcott's been a fantastic signing for Everton. He looks like the player that Arsenal had maybe six or seven years ago. He's been he's been a great buy for those, um, and he's contributed a lot to us offensively. But Richarlison wasn't there against Huddersfield. Walcott went off injured uh, just after half time, and you, you could see the difference. And then you're relying on the likes of Nias off the bench, who uh, you know work, works his socks off, but he isn't a Premier League uh, striker. So you know, if we're still missing those lads against Hughes, I think certainly it'll uh, give Hughes a good chance. Richarlison, by the way, Richarlison has only had three shots so far this season. All three have gone in. <laughs> there you go. When it's going your way, it's going your way. <laughs> yeah. It's not a terrible stat, yeah. is it? But Dominic Calvert-Lewin has also got three goals so far this season, so it's not like Everton are without any kind of threat in front of goal. Mm. No, no, definitely. And, you know, Tosin as well, he he hasn't scored yet this season, but I think he was the target man that Everton were really looking for uh, last year. They had their eyes on Giroud. That, looks a, that looked to be a done deal, but then I think some family issues stopped that one going through, and we missed it. And he seems to be that target man that we've been after for a long time. And although he's not bringing a lot of goals at the moment, certainly the way we play, he uh, he he looks good. He, he he chases the ball down well. He holds it up well. And I think with him being due a goal, it could be it could be against against yourselves. Hopefully, from an Everton point of view. No, I was, I was just going to say. Just uh, are there any West Ham players, David? That you'd quite like to see at Everton I was I was going to come to this if you if there were player swaps which way they would go mm, yeah it's, it's difficult because <laughs> it seems that there were the, the, well the, the West Ham lads are quite out of form at the moment aren't they I think naturally Arnatovic was a good buy last year mm. I know he started quite slow by all accounts but uh, he seemed to do well 
I, I'll be honest, and I was I was in a club of one here, so it won't be a popular opinion. I thought Wilshire was a really good buy for West Ham, and uh, at times he was getting linked with Everton. I would have liked to see it. I watched him a fair bit when he was playing for Arsenal, coming back into the team last season, and he has he has got um, he has got a lot to offer to the game, but. You know, I know it hasn't been working for you guys, and maybe you can shed more light on it because obviously you're watching week in, week out. I don't know, um, but yeah, except for that, when the team's down at the bottom, you're not really eyeing up too many players at the, at yeah, the moment. Yeah, that's a fair comment. Where Wilshere's concerned, I think he's just a little bit worried about getting injured. But I think he'll come good. I think it, I, I agree with you. I think he's been a brilliant signing. Who would you, who yeah. would you want from Goodison Park? Richarlison aside, yeah. I mean, I've always liked Theo Walcott. Mm. Um, and he always scores against us as well. Um, <laughs> but I think I don't know. I mean, that, again, I mean, I did like Yeri Mean. I think it was a good signing. Good signing, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, it has to be like the the, the attacking players, isn't it? Really, I think this mm. is what we really lack at the moment. Yeah. What about management? Would either of you swatch managers? Um, uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll say this now. When when we were being linked with Marco Silva, I was I, I was re- dead against it mm-hmm. because of the yeah. way the way that he treat uh, the way that he went about the whole Watford thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I, in my eyes, I thought that it showed his unprofessionalism a little bit, and I thought you know it'd be it'd be, it'd be typical that we'll bring him in and then he'd have a good start to the season, and then a bigger club will come along, and then suddenly his head's turned, and then. Yeah. The form nose dives like it did at Watford, so I was yeah. a little bit unsure. But um, I mean, there's no doubt he's a good manager. It's just whether he's really committed enough. That was that was my big question yeah. mark. What about you, David? Mm. Um, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, See, a, a couple of years ago, Pellegrini, I thought uh, definitely. Um, you know, you you got a, a, a league champion mm-hmm. manager there. Still, City's uh, most successful ever manager. Yeah, well, I mean, wow. uh, let's be honest, they only started, didn't they, around 10 years ago. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can say that tongue-in-cheek because, it, despite being a scouser, this year I've moved to Manchester, so I'm behind enemy lines a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah. I've spoken to them quite a, quite a bit, uh, the city, local City fans, and it, it, I seem to get real mixed reviews about Pellegrini. Despite him, you know, uh, he was successful in Manchester City, there's no doubt about it. He had those those lull seasons almost where things weren't going right and he seemed to be out of ideas to try and get things back on track and it, it was real mixed reviews so yeah I don't I don't know where he's at in terms of his managerial career as such you know is is this his one last big job at West Ham and then he's probably going to call it a day obviously he's getting on a bit isn't he so mm. I did I overheard yourself speaking before I've come on talking about him going to Chile I thoroughly agree with what you were saying. You wouldn't expect that. I understand that there's going to be players missing through international duty, but when things aren't going well, you really want your manager there to try and fix it. Um, But yeah, I don't want to get his back too much, because as I said, I still think he'll come good for West Ham. 64, by the way, if anyone was wondering. 64. 64. Birthday is the 16th of September, so he's very nearly 65. Don't know if anyone cared about that. Paper round, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, David. Thank you so much for joining us. No, yet. Good luck uh, for the rest of the season. Thanks, mate. You too. See you later. Okay, so guys, we've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, we're talking about breaking news and stuff today. There's not been a lot, but Aaron Cresswell is the latest player to come out and basically say it's not good enough. We need to do better as fans. Does that make you feel like? Great, he gets it. He knows he's got to improve. This is the right attitude. Or do you feel like it's empty words? 
to begin with, yeah, but then it gets to a point where you keep saying it and it doesn't mm-hmm. improve, then you need to sort of start showing that on in your performances. Because yeah. It's all well and good saying it over social media, but if you're not putting in the performances or even trying, then it, the words are meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like the f- fifth player to come out since the Saturday's defeat and, and come out and say, oh, it's not good enough, we need to be better. Yeah. We're going to work hard on the training ground. And Altovic came out and said, you know, the, the, the club, the club's a big club it deserves better the fans deserve better it's like well mm. if you went into the game with that mentality in the first place yeah w- w- you know yeah. how different would things be exactly. right now mm-hmm. um, last year it was the same you know Mark Noble was the re- like re- it was almost a rally cry every week yeah trying to get the fans on side and get the fans turning up and supporting and trying to just reassure them that everything's fine but I mean on Creswell he came out in the summer and said that it was a really productive um, pre-season trip to Switzerland and mm. um, they've had the chance to spend some time with their new signings and they're all yeah. jelling well and the atmosphere's brilliant and, and now he's come out going we need to work harder it's just like yeah. what's going on you know <laughs> Something, something's not quite right well that the uh, the Cresswell comments are all we can do now is stick together and put things right we've got enough character to do that but it looks like the source for that is the official West Ham Twitter account so is this just good PR they think this is what fans want to hear as opposed to not that I'm having to go at Aaron Cresswell, but players coming out on their own to say, actually, we've got to pull our socks up. Yeah, well, Arnautovic did that. Mm-hmm. He came out on his own. Yarmolenko's yeah. come out on his own and said the same thing. Yeah. Um, but the club's always club's always going to have a PR, PR machine. And yeah. mm-hmm. Of course, fan, fans want to hear that the players are going to be working hard, but I think we've heard it too much. Yeah. yeah. We've heard it too much, and fans aren't stupid. Um, they, they know that it's just a PR yeah. PR exercise so I think you can't really fool f- football fans anymore no well you're right the replies to it are he said this three years in a row now I'm pretty sure I've heard this about from ten different people so with the club in the last two years uh, or track back and defend instead of attempting to trip people the term defend has been lost in translation somewhere people are just kicking off people aren't happy do you sympathise I'm, I'm, not, I'm not surprised at all yeah um, I mean, if you look on the most tweets from West Ham over the last few years, you get angry comments, <laughs> to be fair. Because uh, the club, in, in the eyes of many fans, can't do anything right. And that's just the way it is at the moment at the club. But mm. is, is it this kind of situation from the outside that you look at and you think, well, this is an ideal? Because actually, the, if the players see it and they see that everybody's getting on their backs, that's not going to make them want to play for the fans. Like, and you can say there's a professional probe where they should be like, actually, come on, everyone's upset, let's do it. But I think a lot of them, these are people that, I mean, normally they're millionaires, they're sat back. They don't want a load of guys in the street going, ah, you're rubbish, get better. They're going to go, well, nah, I don't need to. On, on that point, Philippe Anderson tweeted, uh, he was at a, an Adidas event last week. Yeah. And he's obviously being paid to to tweet this thing about the event yeah and a picture of him wearing Adidas gear and he was at this event and he was like oh it was a really good night this was early on today yeah and the, the replies underneath it were just it's like hang on this guy's just turned up at this football yeah. Yeah. Um he's not played badly okay he's been inconsistent but he's not mm-hmm. played badly and we we all need this guy to we spent 40 million quid on him yeah we need him to be good we need him to feel at home we need him to feel settled he's mm-hmm. in a new country he's never you know he's never like played in England before no and you got people telling him they're telling me rubbish and um, you're too lazy and go home yeah. and, and it's like hang on imagine those are the politer ones yeah <laughs> oh i mean i've had to tone that one tone those down yeah. a little bit but it's it's like 
all the, all the guys done is just tweet about an Adidas event, which has clearly been paid for. He's, yeah. You know, he's, Adidas is one of his sponsors. Yeah. And people just having a pop at him. And it's That's like, if weird, he, isn't it? I mean, luckily, he doesn't really speak English, so he can't read it. <laughs> but... <laughs> There's a chance that he, he, he'll, yeah. he'll, ask, he'll ask Mark Noe when they're yeah, in the change room. Like, going and going and go, Mark Noe will go, oh, they're telling you they love you, mate. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's just, I just can't believe the fans' mentality is like, oh, he doesn't play well enough. It's like, well, you have been telling him he's rubbish on social media for the yeah. last... Mm-hmm. You're, not gonna, you're not building him up, are you? Exactly, so... I bet he likes popcorn, too. That's why they don't like him. A lot of people will be upset about that. I still think that's brilliant. Um, how important are people like Mark Noble in this situation to just bring the squad together, especially when there's a lot of new boys and say, look, this is West Ham. This is how we play. This is what we're going to do. Everything's going to be okay. Don't panic. Um, very important. I think we saw that last year mm-hmm. um, and the year before that. Noble was pretty crucial in us staying up. Um, he said that he played for an injury for the majority of that season. Um, and arguably without him, I don't think we would have stayed up uh, that season. Um, and you definitely need players like that at the club that know what it's about, know what it means to play for the badge and sort of install that mentality into the new players, show them what it means to the fans and how important it is for them to at least show an ounce of effort on the pitch. Yeah. But I think it is very important to have players like that. But it's all well and good saying this stuff, but if the performances don't pick up, then there's just no point even saying it because you need to do your speaking on the pitch at the end of the day. Yeah, fair play. I think as club captain... Mark Noble's got a huge responsibility here. Um, he might not be playing, um, and I don't think he's going to be playing as much this season anyway. I think Pellegrini's going to phase him out, but he's still, still going to be club captain. Yeah. Won't be team captain, but be club captain. Yeah. And I think his responsibility off the pitch is bigger than ever because he's got so many players coming in. They've got to feel like home. Yeah. Like Philippe Anderson's really got to settle in quickly. Uh, yeah. Yarmolenko as well, and there's, there's a lot of players that are. are, are it's a completely different world to them at the moment and the only way that we're going to get the best out of them is if they feel like they're at home and Mark Noble's got to do that because he's the one that knows the club inside out Um, he's the one that supports the club and he's the one that they're going to have to look up to and he's the one that's got to make them feel comfortable within Mm -hmm. their surroundings so I think you know I'd like to think that given Mark Noble and we all know about Mark Noble I'd like to think that's what he's doing off the pitch and hopefully hopefully he's beginning to make some progress because we need we need them firing yeah so two weeks now boys until you go to Goodison Park and play Everton the manager's just nipped to Chile hopefully he'll come back soon if he does what happens because the the pressure comes off now a little bit doesn't it that little break does that for you yeah it's like a sigh of relief right now it's sort Mm. of just take a deep breath um take a step back just analyse what's happened Mm -hmm. and get it right over these next couple of weeks and hopefully we will see an improvement against Everton yeah um I'm quite hopeful that we will see an improvement. Um, I think Pellegrini's an experienced manager. He'll know what to do over this next couple of weeks. But if he's flying off to Chile, then maybe not. Very long flight. Is anybody on international duty that, you know, is probably going to be good for them to be away, play a bit of football, find a bit of form? Because they can bring that back to West Ham. Yarmolenko's going to be with Ukraine, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Snodgrass just got called up. Snodgrass at Scotland. Arnie will be with Austria, won't he? So there'll be a few. Yeah. No doubt Sanchez will be with Columbia. And mm. So, I mean, there'll be quite a few first-team players out. Um, but that gives the ones that haven't been called up. Yeah. Presumably because the Wilshere won't have been called up. So no. uh, gives that like, chance to have been in around the, the, uh, the training ground and, mm-hmm. and work hard and wait for everyone to come back, wait for Pellegrini to come back from his hollybobs. Nice. Mm. So for everybody listening this evening that hasn't found you before, where do they go? What do they do? 
so yeah you can visit us at westernworld.co.uk um, go and follow us on twitter at westernworld um, same on facebook and instagram uh, yeah I'm just if you go on at hamish underscore chat uh, you'll sort of find my stuff I do on there or my twitter's just at frank whufc you can follow me on there that makes sense because we West Ham United Football Club okay we're almost done so final <laughs> thoughts West Ham is everything going to be alright yeah we'll be fine <laughs> we've been here before we've done um, it all before we've done yeah. it before we're used to this we're going to be absolutely fine yeah Frankie yeah. you're a bit younger mm-hmm. do you feel calm are you okay yeah because I've seen enough of it yeah over, over, <laughs> even, even though I'm younger I've seen enough to know that it will be alright yeah. it's just West Ham at the end of the day this it's is just, who we are. It's just West Ham. <laughs> it's literally it's the best way is. to summarise yeah. it. This is this is West Ham. Okay, it's in a nutshell. <laughs> if uh, if if the trend follows and Pellegrini's gone in two three years, is there somebody now who's a young man you think? Yeah, I'll take a bit of that. Spring big sand back. Stay up. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one else. <laughs> yeah, let's do just it. Just do it. Let's do it. Right, boys. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next week. Yeah. Thank you. See you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.